This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. You all can have a seat. It's really good to have you all here with us. Um, we're thankful to have you here at Christ the King, and um, mostly I just feel really thankful to be in church today. Um, those of you that I don't know and have not yet had the opportunity to meet, uh, hey, we're really glad you're here. Welcome. My name's Ashley. Um, I'm the priest here, a pastor, if that's your background, and i um, we have a lot to talk about today. As Andrew was reading, though, the words of Paul, I, I want to read this verse again, and, and then I want to pray, and we'll, we'll move into the, the teaching of Jesus together. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, there at the last verse, So also no one comprehends what is truly God's except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit that is from God. So you have the spirit of God so that you can comprehend what is truly God's. That's what he's saying. So that we may understand the gifts bestowed on us. Holy Spirit, we ask you, Lord, this morning that you would help us to do exactly that. That by your spirit, Lord, we might understand, we might comprehend and know the gifts, God, that you've given to us, the gift of belonging to you, the gift of knowing Jesus, the gift of being filled with your spirit, and the hope, Lord, that we have because of you. I pray this morning, Lord, that where we feel hopeless, where we feel confused or lost or frustrated or very far away, this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would gather us up, help us to understand the gifts that you've given. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, so we've been working these last number of weeks through these um, early and most famous of Jesus' teaching, namely the Sermon on the Mount. And this is, of course, um, in the liturgical church anyway, that may not be your background, but for us uh, Anglicans and others, this is the season known as Epiphany. 
Epiphany is a season in the church calendar that stretches between Christmas and Lent, and it's the time when we're called to think about or reflect on what it means for Jesus to be the revelation of God. He came to make something known to us. When you have an epiphany, a light bulb goes off, you have an aha kind of moment, you get it. So in the most simplest of terms, the question is, what did Jesus help us get? What did he come to make known? And what we've been saying these last number of weeks is, according to Jesus, he came that we might have life and have it to the full. He came that we might know a with God way to live, a with God life that is a quality and a kind, a particular kind of life that Jesus came to make available to you. It's not just what you know. It's not just what you do, but all of it, a way of living. And so I like to think that one of the reasons that we're all here, every single one of us, I don't care where you're coming from, I don't care what you did last night, that every single one of us in this room is presumably curious about what that means, a with God life. And how and in what ways is it different from another kind of life that I would live if Jesus had never come at all, if Christmas was not a thing? How would I be living now that's in any way different if he hadn't come at all? What's available to me because he did? And I want to say to you, in case you have forgotten, especially maybe to those of you who have been Christian for a very long time, it's not just something that happens to you once. The beauty of the church calendar is a reminder that like every January, for example, I'm called to reflect on this. Is my life shaped like the kind of life that Jesus meant for me to have? And if the answer is no, fine. Not fine, but you know what I'm saying. I breathe, I live, and he breathes more importantly, and he lives. And so today there's an opportunity, a gift, an invitation to grow. To step into that life, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, not just 2,000 years ago, not on the day you became a Christian, whatever that means for you, but today for you, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You have an opportunity, should you choose it, accept it, to move into that life. That's why we're here, all of us. And it is the spirit, I believe, that will help you understand what that means. So we've been looking at these teachings of Jesus. Last week we looked at what's probably famous, even to those of us who did not grow up in the church, the Beatitudes, the greatest hits of Jesus. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the merciful. And we went through them. Um, And we talked about how as powerful and important as this sermon is, what Jesus is not doing is giving us a kind of checklist, a new law like the law of Moses. And that's important because last week we spent a lot of time thinking about how we become like Jesus. If you recall, there are three movements we've looked at these last number of weeks. What does it mean to like step into that with God life? Well, it takes some shifts, some movements. You have to come to Jesus, you have to be with him, and then become like him. That's the with God life, coming to him, being with him, becoming like him. And if we're not careful, we'll read the Beatitudes and we will think, okay, well, that's my plan for how I become like him, the things that I do. And not entirely wrong, except it's really tough. I'll just go ahead and tell you, if you've ever tried to make yourself hunger and thirst for righteousness, at least if you've been able to manage to, you know, muster that up from within yourself, please pray tell for the rest of us, how that works. Because willpower fails me 
when it comes to being poor in spirit or to actually being a merciful person. Again, we talked about this last week. I can do an act of mercy. I can in a moment choose to be merciful, but that's altogether different from being a merciful person. So Jesus gave us this new law, this new teaching of Moses, but it was like the commandments and yet in some ways very different. It transcends them all together. Not a checklist, but something different, a different kind of invitation. A description, Jesus will say, of what the kingdom of heaven is like. In the kingdom of heaven, even those who are poor in spirit, who are impoverished in their souls. So if you're here, and that feels like an apt description of where you're at when it comes to God, impoverished in your soul. Jesus, imagine, he looked directly into your bare face, and said, blessed are you. The kingdom of heaven is yours. And you imagine how that would make you feel and how it would make the very pious person next to you feel. All of a sudden, apparently, we're playing a different kind of game altogether. This is a description of a different kind of life, this kingdom of heaven life. When you... Come to him. You choose to be with him, which means for us now, because I can't be with him like Peter was, I can't be with him like Andrew was, I have to be with him a different way. I have to be with him through the Spirit. I have to be with him through things I choose intentionally to do with my life. I wish I could be with Jesus on Instagram. And if you're with Jesus, I don't want to get into an argument about, <laughs> I am not doubting that the Spirit has spoken to you through Instagram. That's fine doesn't work for me, is all I'm saying. I wish I could be with Jesus doing whatever I wanted whenever I wanted, just bringing him along with me. But that's not how it works. He's the teacher, I'm the follower. And I have to do things intentionally that stop me and help me pivot to go wherever he is. And that looks like spiritual practices. And we've talked about in weeks past how those practices, whatever they are, we'll talk about that later, those practices keep us tethered to Jesus like a vine to a trellis. They help me to be with him. So that it's possible through his spirit that I, like a vine on a trellis, would start to bear fruits, is the Christian language for it. My life would start to resemble the life of Jesus like the vine it's meant to be. Just by being with him, we start to become like him so that I can start to really truly feel like, you know what, actually, ah, oh, being able to extend mercy actually is better than being right and having everyone know that I'm right. Actually, choosing to make peace is more powerful than proving my point and being understood. And you can know that up here, like you can read that in a poem or whatever, you know, in your Bible and be like, mm -hmm, blessed are those who make peace, yes, blessed are the peacemakers, yeah. Bless them, glory be, those peacemakers. As for me and my house, we like to be right <laughs> and understood. You see what I'm saying? How do I will within myself that knowledge, that thing, 
You can't. So Jesus will say this week, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. An audacious thing to say to a motley crew like the one he was looking at. You are the light of the world. You, Brian, are the light of the world. You, Randy, are the light of the world. And I don't have to know anything about, really, what you did before today or what they went and did after Jesus said it. He said it. And here's what I know about salt, that I like it. <laughs> and every food needs a little of it. And secondly, it enhances things, preserves things. But you can't pretend to be salt. You know what I mean? Salt is not something you do. You don't do salty. You just, you are salty. Saltiness is a thing. You can't pretend. You can't imitate it. Same with light. How do you go be light? You can't. It emanates from a place. It is something you are. And so what Jesus is saying is after he's just given what many people would have heard him teaching and would have thought immediately of Moses. He goes up on the mountain. He's sitting down. He's giving us the list. It's Moses. Let's take notes, everybody. Here's what we go and do. And then Jesus said, yeah, you are right now today. By virtue of being here with me and following me, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. It's a substance thing, an essence thing. You can't do it. That is frustrating. Because then he's going to go on and say, it's perfectly Jesus. Therefore, because you are light, can't put that junk under a lampshade. That's silly. Let your light shine before others so that they might see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven. Ah. Oh. So we do have to do stuff. Good deeds. There it is. There are things to go and do, apparently. So which is it? And I've had this conversation over the years, internally and with other people that I love. Which is it? Lord, am I supposed to just let Jesus do it? It just happens you know, like the seed in the soil just grows. That's how. Or do I go do the stuff? Yes is the answer. The answer is yes. We have a kind of allergy to thinking about works-based righteousness. I love phrases like that that we've probably all heard at some point in church, you know. Oh, you know, you got to be careful. That works-based righteousness. What does it mean? I'm not really exactly sure, but it's bad. Nobody wants to do it, you know. <laughs> I don't, I mean, what we mean, of course, is that I can't and shouldn't and shouldn't try, like, earning or buying my salvation. Here's the thing, though. We're quite a long, the Reformation happened, and we're quite a long way from selling indulgences anymore. Do you know what I mean? It's been a long time since anybody offered to let me buy my way into heaven or perform a good deed that would get me there. Do you know what I'm saying? It's been a minute since we were doing that. 
So I think we're safe to perhaps reconsider what, in fact, it is that we are called necessarily to do. Because salt that doesn't do what it's meant to be, apparently, not great. Light that doesn't light up the darkness. Salt that doesn't enhance the reality. Not doing what it's supposed to. So what is it that we're meant to do? Um, I want to read you this, this quote from Dallas Willard, who has been and become um, a really formative voice when it comes to matters of spiritual formation, how we become more like Jesus. He wrote a really brilliant book, many of you have no doubt read it, called The Divine Conspiracy. We talked about it last week. There are a lot of words in here. He says a lot. Um, and so much of it's good. You shouldn't try to read it quickly. But this is what he says. If people in our Christian fellowships today were to announce that they had decided to keep God's law, we would probably be skeptical and alarmed. You're going to try to keep the law? Haven't you heard of grace? We probably would take them aside for counseling and possibly alert other responsible people in the group to keep an eye on them. We would be sure nothing good would come of it. We know that one is not saved by keeping the law and can think of no other reason why one should try to do it. If it doesn't save you, if it doesn't get you to heaven, why on earth would you consider keeping the law? Just as the Pharisees wanted to add obedience to ritual law, to faith in Christ, we want to subtract moral law from faith in Christ. So what he's saying, in other words, is, he goes on to say, how to combine faith with obedience is surely the essential task of the church in the 21st century. Got to watch those social justice churches, though. Can't talk about racial justice in church. It's political. Or watch out. You got a pastor who tells you you have to fast and come to church? Watch out for that works-based righteousness. Who they think they are. You don't need that. You don't need anything. You can go to heaven, just you and Jesus. Here's the thing. I'm pretty sure that's true. If that's what you want is an afterlife with a Jesus that you didn't take time to know here, okay. I'm just saying to you, I think that that is a bit of a truncated gospel is all. It's just not the gospel Jesus preached. It's not good news, really. It might be to you, but our good news is that a with God life is available that would make not just me blessed, but that my blessedness might bless you here now and in this life for this world. That's why we have to talk about issues of justice in church. That's why we have to talk about how we're going to fast and confess our sins. Because if it isn't good news for now, then it's not that great of a news at all. I believe a kind of life is available to you. That glory to God would help your life to bear fruit. Meaning, 
you would become more the person that you were created to be. That you don't have to live the rest of your life. Dallas Willard has this image that I've held on to for a long time because I think it's funny to imagine. He says, trying to live life with Jesus without the Spirit's help is like trying to be a pear tree when you are in fact an apple tree and taking pears and tying them to your limbs. You look silly. We can all clearly see that you've tied those on. You didn't grow those. You are, in fact, an apple tree. We can, we can see it. Sometimes how? I mean, isn't that the thing that the world is trying to get the church to hear the world? Isn't that the thing that people are trying to get us to hear? It looks like you've tied all this on, though. Stop tying on your church attendance. Stop tying on who you voted for. Stop tying on your good deeds. We can see that you've tied them on. I actually think that there is a hurting world out there that very much wants a gospel like Jesus came to give to be true. They would just like to see it at work in our lives. Do you know what I mean? You don't have to try that hard to sell peaches. I'm from Georgia. I have been for the last 15 years. Peaches kind of sell themselves. You know what I'm saying? Everybody, that's a good fruit. We would like more of that. Peaches, good thing. I don't have to try to sell a hurting, broken, hopeless world on the person of Jesus. I don't. My friends want hope. They want something that's true. They want real life. I don't have to sell them on that. I just, God has to do something in me and through me that they can see is all. That's powerful enough to compel them is all. And so what I'm saying to you is thanks be to God, that is available to us now. You are the salt of the earth. You are today the light of the world. but I'm not, you would say. I don't feel that way. I don't have that impact on people. It's not what happens in my life. Okay, great news for you. It's epiphany. And the reason we're all coming back to this together at the same time is so that we can experience Jesus in a new way. We can choose now to do something new with him. If that means starting over completely for you, Maybe you want to figure out what does it mean not just to be Christian. If you've been calling yourself a Christian for all your life and not actually following Jesus, here's what I would like to submit to you that you try. Try calling yourself for an extended season a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. It may seem like a word trick, but you will know immediately, is that true? We've so separated what it means to be Christian and what it means to actually be a disciple and to follow him. That it's like, I can kind of get away with saying I'm a Christian because it's like the box I would check, you know, if I were filling out paperwork. What's your race, your ethnicity, what's your age, your gender, and your religion. And it's just the box that you check. Following Jesus implies something. that are true, It's either true or it's not. And so what if we were like, okay, for this season, I think the invitation for me is to figure out what it means to actually follow him, to actually be his disciple. 
Because here's the thing. Jesus came, he says in the next part, not to abolish the law, the doing stuff. We have to do the stuff. He didn't come to abolish the doing the stuff. He came to fulfill it. Dallas Willard again. Dallas Willard will say, grace is opposed to earning. It is not opposed to working. This life requires my participation. Jesus came to fulfill righteousness. What does that mean? Well, do you remember when Jesus got baptized? He went to the river. John was going to baptize him. John takes him, lowers him, or he doesn't. He hesitates. Ah, I don't know. I feel nervous or weird about this. And Jesus says, John, we have to do this. We have to do it. Why? Do you remember what he says? In order to, do you remember? Fulfill all righteousness. And what I love is that John was like, "Mm mm-hmm, makes perfect sense to me. You're right. You're right. Clearly, we have to fulfill all righteousness. So you're right. We should just do this. Whereas I would have been like, yes, you're right. Explain to me (laughs) exactly how doing this is the fulfillment of righteousness. I don't know exactly. But what I do know is that when you take all those images, baptism, passing through water, the law, and righteousness, and you put them all together, and you've got, you know, a couple of first century Jews standing in the Jordan, you're probably enacting a story that would have been to them very familiar. Namely, which one? The Exodus. If I'm a Jew, what's my liberation story? If I'm the people of Israel, my cross is the Exodus. That's my freedom story, my liberation moment. And so apparently Jesus thought somehow he was recalling for John the Exodus. What happened in the Exodus? We can say, yes, God went in and he delivered all of his people. He called them out of slavery into freedom and new life. That is true. What he did not do, however, is go in in there and say, everybody want a piggyback ride? Just hop on. I'm going to do this whole thing for you. No. They had to choose to go out and get their lambs, kill their lambs, prepare their meal. And then they had to choose, hardest of all, to move out of their houses, walk the street, out of Egypt, towards the Red Sea, get there, choose to move through those giant pillars of water, following a guy they had never met. All of that, one step at a time. You have to participate in your freedom. Jesus is telling a freedom story. You are, he would say, over Israel. Who? My people. Not you will be, not you are on your way to being, not if you can be good enough and get it all right. Jesus, God, told Moses, you go and you declare over them, let my people go, my people. You belong to him already. That part's done. But you have to participate in this freedom. So, when we choose to do things like pray, confess our sin, fast. What we're doing effectively is like a vine reaches up to the rung on a trellis. That's what that practice is for you. It's a means for you to go higher. Does that make sense? It's a way out. It's a way to grow. That's how we become like him. And the reason I'm spending so much time on this is because unless you see it that way, unless it becomes for you a means to freedom, a way to actually become who you were called to be, it falls so quickly back into the other. It's like our brains just can't help it. 
which default right back. Practically speaking, here at Christ the King, we have two more Sundays until the beginning of the Lenten season. We're going to start our community groups next week. And in our community groups, through Lent and Easter, we're going to be practicing Sabbath and prayer together. Here's the reminder. One thing, you're doing this, we will be doing this because we are free. And we are moving into that freedom on purpose. Secondly, because we cannot and should not do it by ourselves. You cannot do this alone. If you feel frustrated and you're very isolated in your faith, I don't have to be some kind of soul doctor or prophet to be able to tell you why you're frustrated. You cannot do this by yourself. And if it has been far too long since you've had somebody in your life who you either trusted enough to pray with or you just had to pray with because it was like your group, (laughs) either honestly will do, then you need that in your life with God has to be both. I'm committed to us figuring out what does it mean to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, souls, and minds, and what's the other part? Our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus said, the whole law is fulfilled in those. Learn how to do it. I want to finish with this verse from Paul. This is gospel, and it's in Romans. You've probably heard it before, but I want you to hear it again. And we'll close here. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are freely justified by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We've all sinned. Your sins are not worse than mine. We're all in this together. And we've all been given this invitation to step into a different way to live. Comparing ourselves to each other constantly, not trying to outpace or outdo each other, can just accept the fact that we're all pear trees, insert fruit of your choice, whatever one you prefer, we're all, we're all fruit trees. <laughs> and we can't, we can't do it by ourselves. So I hope, should you feel hopeless or frustrated, that you would choose to spend these next few weeks with other people who are on the same journey, moving towards something together. That we, you would give me permission to be both pretty practical about that will look like, and also inspirational. We have to have both. Yeah? Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Help us, Jesus, to kind of push everything else out 
And imagine ourselves, Lord, choosing to take one step at a time toward you and being more free. Will you help us, Lord? In Jesus' name, amen.